Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of season 2 of Unlimited Opinions. I'm Adam Bishop. I'm Mark Bishop. And of course, we are reading Jake Jackson's Myths and Legends, a book documenting mythologies from around the world. And this time, we're talking about various other stories from Chinese myths. Uh, these... I, I feel like I'll be a little off my game today because we're recording in the morning. Yes, it is currently like 9 in the morning. I think that's too early for him. It's about 12 hours too early. <laughs> but yeah, these stories are all kind of uh, related to how gods interact with ordinary people and kind of that sort of connection between uh, the mortal and the immortal uh, planes of existence, really. That's kind of the running theme throughout these stories for this section. I really uh, I like these little stories. They're clever. Yes. Uh, unexpected turns uh, in the story. I know it's pretty, pretty fun yes. reading. They're entertaining stories. The first story is that of the kitchen god. Now, this deity was a Taoist invention, and he was entrusted with the power to punish and reward families under his supervision. Every Chinese family had a shrine to him in their home, and he reported every family's behavior to the supreme being of the heavens. At New Year, he returned to heaven, which was celebrated with firecrackers and a lavish meal, wherein his mouth was uh, coated with honey so that he would only report sweet words to the high god. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet words. Sweet words, that's what I said. You said wards. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this one and the next one, the door gods were... Well, I guess the next one was more of a little of this story, but mm-hmm. this one was more of a description. It's kind of interesting, just kind of that, you know, uh, the high god has to rely on somebody else to know about, like, the doings of, of every family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, kind of the limited knowledge of, of deities in some of these yeah, uh, sort true. of stories, yeah. which is fascinating. You'd think that, you know, the supreme god would know everything that you're doing. Well, isn't that true of most mythologies? I guess so, yeah. most monotheistic. Mm-hmm. Right? I think so. They have their own sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. They have their messengers and yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Moving on to the next story is the door gods. So pictures of these gods were pinned on either sides of doorways to ward off unwanted visitors and evil spirits. And these gods were exceptional war ministers from the Tang dynasty who were deified after death. Now the story behind this lies in the events when the emperor grew sick and delirious Imagining demons were always outside his door, so he appointed his two finest warriors, Jin Shu Pao and Ha Ching Te, to stand guard outside his door. That night, the emperor slept peacefully, and his health began to improve, so he soon sent away his two warriors, but ordered them to have their portraits painted, looking as fierce as possible, so he could hang them in the door and keep away evil spirits forever. And this practice was spread throughout the rest of China. It's another good band name. The, the door, door spirits? Gods. The door gods. Oh, the door gods? Yeah, and then at every performance, you could have big, ugly portraits on either side of the stage. That's a great idea. To ward off the evil reviews. <laughs> it's to keep people from jumping up on stage. Yeah, well, that's true. That's yeah. keep you safe. Kind of uh, uh, reminded me of the Passover. Mm. A little bit. But this is more permanent. Why the Passover? Wasn't that where they speared the blood of, over the doors oh, yes. of, the, of the Jews? Yes, yes, right? yes. Yes, that's true. It's interesting. Why do you think like doorways are so important? You know, if you're an evil spirit, why would you have to come through the door? Well, I think it's, I don't know. That is a good question. Hmm. But uh, I think it just goes to every parent's anxiety about their home. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a weak spot. It's an entry point and, um, and you'd want to secure it. Hmm. Yes. As before they had uh, firearms. So that is true. What else are you going to do but put these spirit, these portraits up there? And it sounded like the uh, um, the emperor mm-hmm. uh, that, that was gravely ill really was uh, 
and psychological issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was reassured by having two of his best warriors just standing outside his door so he could finally get a good night's sleep. Yes, that's true. Very interesting. Because doorways are kind of a big thing in a lot of mythologies, I think. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and just references to you know, legends and myths and, and it's a passageway to mm-hmm. another you know, realm. Yeah, another place, yeah. You know, um, yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Thank you for your insights. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) For your unlimited opinions. Unlimited insights. Yes. The next story is that of the gods of the elements. Now, each of the elements, um, kind of in this Chinese legend, is very, very detailed, very much managed by a complete ministry of the heavens. And you can kind of see this kind of hierarchy in the Ministry of Thunder, which hosts the ancestor of thunder, Lei Kung, the Duke of Thunder, also named Lei Kung, the Mother of Lightning, Tian Mu, the Count of Wind, Feng Po, the Master of Rain, Yu Shi, and many other gods within this hierarchy to control the one element of thunder. So the Duke of Thunder, Lei Kung, is an ugly black creature with clawed feet and a monkey's head. And once, of course, of course uh, he is. Of course. Well, why, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> why do they even have to put that in the book? And <laughs> <laughs> one story tells of him in a thunderstorm when a bolt of lightning struck a tree, pinning him beneath it. He begged for help, and a young boy freed him, and Lei Kung rewarded him with a book that would teach him to conjure storms whenever he wanted to. One day, the youth became drunk and disorderly and was arrested, and when he was led to court the next day, he called upon Lei Kung, who shattered the courtroom windows of the blast of thunder, and the magistrate let the youth go free. From then on, the boy used the power to save people, calling down storms to provide much-needed rain during droughts. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think it's very, very interesting, you know, to have like a bureaucracy to, to control the elements, essentially. Right, right. It's kind of strange to think about it in that way, that you have this many levels and this many gods to control this one thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's terribly unique because, you know, in a lot of mythologies, you do have various gods for one sort of like specific area of like mm-hmm. elements. But I do think it is unique just how like detailed and like leveled it is, how right. bureaucratic it is really. Well, and I, I think I've mentioned before my limited knowledge of, China and Chinese history, but I believe they tended to have bureaucratic states. Mm-hmm. You know, very a lot of bureaucracies mm-hmm. uh, in the government and running the government, which which was uncommon, I think, at the time. But, yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, and I completely lost my train of thought. Well, I just think it's interesting. Oh yeah, I I, I remember what it is. So okay, I, I just had to start talking. Yes, yeah, so you could. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, a lot of these stories is legends and stuff. There's there's a lot of um, references to um, the study of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of uh, and the value of that. Like a a person who just uh, focuses on, you know, mm-hmm. as a hermit or whatever, reading books, and, and this you know, this guy's rewarded not with power necessarily, but knowledge mm-hmm. and how to obtain the power. The yeah, story. a lot of these stories feature people learning magic. Essentially, it's not right. just given to them, right. which I think is fascinating. Yeah. It's also interesting. Uh, just how often, like, magistrates are, you know, kind of seen in these stories, how important, like, the law seems mm-hmm. to be. Right. And then kind of how you were mentioning, a lot of these gods, um, you know, if they come into power somewhere, they do appoint, you know, ministers and stuff. Right. And so kind of seeing, like, different people can be appointed to these positions of power is just interesting. It's right. a strange focus, you know, almost right. for, for a mythological story to go into the bureaucracy of how things work. Right. right. You know, usually that's kind of just left unsaid. Correct. It's fascinating, very fascinating. Yeah, because it's not, uh, it's the, uh, it's just the humdrum daily mm-hmm. management 
yeah. of of the government. Somehow it's it has more prominent role in these stories. Exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next story is that of the goddess of mercy, who is the most most popular Buddhist goddess named Yuan Qin, who was originally represented as a man, but was replaced with a Madonna figure in the mid seventh century. Her name translates to one who hears the cries of the world, and she is the protector of mankind. If one calls out her name in the midst of a fire, the fire ceases. If one calls out her name during a battle, the sword and the spear of the enemy are harmless. And if one is prone to evil thoughts and calls her name, one's heart is purified. Mm. Mm. Why do you say mm? More of a descriptive. More of a descriptive, section. yeah. Just mm. That's all you have to say about that one. You don't have any thoughts? No. No opinions? Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> well, what do you want me to say? I don't know. It's just kind of a neat sort of picture, I guess. All right. Well, yeah. I'll say the one thing I was thinking. Oh, God. <laughs> this is probably the first transgender. Because it went from a, a male character to a female character. <laughs> I guess historically they probably have, you know, historical references to this deity or, mm-hmm. you know, goddess or legend or whatever. And, and probably the old script, it's a male figure and then it becomes a goddess. Yes. Yes, I would assume that would be how it worked, considering that is how it was described in this book. Right. Yes. Thank you for your wonderful insights. <laughs> well, you've asked for I did ask. I brought that up on myself. <laughs> The last story in this section is about the Eight Immortals. So during the Mongol dynasty, a group of Taoist deities become the new focus of legends, known as the Eight Immortals. Did I say become the new focus of legends? I meant became the new focus of legends. Okay. I think I said become. I was, uh, I, I'm sorry, I was distracted by the, the only thought I could have reading these stories, the Eight Immortals, was the um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I was literally, while you were reading the you know, Summarizing, I was I was thinking, hi ho, hi ho. <laughs> that, that was what was going through my mind. And then was, you asked, well, you know, what you were saying. I don't know. All I heard was hi ho, <laughs> because there was like these eight figures that lived together. I guess as part of the story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, seemed to be a bunch of hermits. Yeah. And the most famous of these you be a hermit with others. I think you can live like. Yeah, because, I mean, that's just like a cloistered community, really. Yeah, but then you're not a hermit. I guess I think not. a hermit has to be a Well, I don't think community. they really lived together. I think some of them studied under one of the others, but I don't think they all lived together at the all same right. time. Okay. And the most famous of these was Li Tiaquai, who gained much wisdom from Lao Tzu and then was called up to the heavens by the great master, and his soul left his body and drifted up. Li then placed one of his dis- uh, pupils, Lang Ling, in charge of his body for seven days, but Lang's mother died on the sixth day, and he left Li's body. Returning to Earth, Li found his body only a pile of ashes, and so he then found a beggar who had recently died of starvation in the woods, and so his spirit occupied the beggar's body, but he immediately regretted this decision, as the beggar had one leg and an ugly head and very bad hair. <laughs> Li wanted to leave the body, but Lao Tzu uh, ordered him not to do so, and he was gifted with a gold headband and an iron crutch. The first good act that Li then performed in this body was pouring the contents of his gourd into Lang's mother's mouth, bringing her back to life instantly. And Li then went out, uh, spreading the word of Taoism to the people and healing them, and he ever since represented the sick. Mm-hmm. The second of the eight immortals was Ha Chung Li. Well, that first guy was known as Li of the Iron Crutch. Yes. Because he had the iron crutch of the beggar. 
in a gold band that was given for his matted hair. When I first brought, read that, I thought it was Lee of the Iron Crotch. I thought, oh, it's going to be an interesting story. <laughs> But then it was a different thing. Oh, crutch. Uh-huh. Yes. Crutch. Sure, that was very disappointing for you. <laughs> Actually, I was reassured by that. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> All right, second of the eight morals. Han. Han Chung Li. He was a powerful military figure, but he became a hermit after converting to Taoism, studying the ways of immortality and becoming skilled in alchemy, giving silver to the poor in the Great Famine, saving thousands of lives. And he was ever after associated with military affairs. The third of the eight immorals was Ling Tung Pin, the son of a government official. And he met with Han Chung Li, who shared rice wine with him, causing him to fall asleep instantly and have an unpleasant dream, in which he saw the vanity of worldly dignities and then became a disciple of Han Chung Li and then became associated with scholars. Mm-hmm. The next, the fourth, was Chan Kuo Lao, who was a hermit with a white donkey that could fold up like paper. Um, and then when you poured water on it, it would become back to a regular donkey. And he brought fertility to old couples, and he represents the old. The fifth was Cao Kuo Chiu, who was associated with nobility. And he was granted amnesty by the empress for once encouraging his brother to kill a man's wife, who was a witness to the murder of said uh, husband. Um, and this amnesty made him reject uh, this... I cannot read what I have written. Reject well, it's, luxury. It's, it was kind of a weird story. Uh, it was hard for me to follow mm-hmm. as it was written. It was his... It was his brother killed mm-hmm. a guy so to be with with, with the wife. And yes. The, 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 he hid his brother, helped his brother. And, mm-hmm. the, and the empress, wasn't the empress married to, the, to the him? Em- the emperor was married to his sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're, they're sisters, yeah, their sister. brothers. And then um, he, he was, they were forgiven for their really pretty bad stuff. Yeah. And that's when he became a hermit, devoting himself to the practice of perfection. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should do that. <laughs> wow, that was... You're a, uh, you're a perfectionist. I guess I kind of am, yeah. If you, if you were a hermit. I don't know how you can be, how you'd be devote yourself to perfection if you're a hermit. I would think you'd need more than yourself. But I don't know. How would you practice perfection? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm imperfect. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I guess we we could read more about uh, what's his name, Zhao Kao Chu. Is that who it is? Zhao Kuo Chu. Yeah, he's the fifth one. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him, so I don't know how you try to practice perfection. Mm, interesting. I guess as a hermit. Yes. The sixth and seventh of the eight immortals were both very young people. And the sixth was Han Xiang Tzu, and he was a grandnephew of one of the great poets, and his skill soon far surpassed that of his elder, and he became a disciple of Lu Ting Pin, and he represented learned society. The seventh was Lan Tzu Ko, who was a singer and actor, who denounced materialism only ever using money as an instrument to keep time when he was playing, or simply giving it to the poor whom he represents. I like that he, he was uh, dressed himself in a tattered blue gown, a black wooden belt and only wore one shoe. Interesting. I wonder why. I guess it's probably like the characters, you know, like the seven dwarfs. You know, they have their own little uniforms or whatever. I suppose so. And I don't mean to de- denigrate you know, these legendary you know, characters. Because mm-hmm. I, I assume they have like statues to mm-hmm. have. And if I went to China, I'd probably see this, you know, this 
painting or something, and I'd say, hey, that guy only has one shoe. That must be Lan Zao Ho, however you pronounce his name. Yes. I would know him because he would only have one shoe. That's true. You would you would be able to recognize him. The eighth, uh, the only woman of the Eight Immortals, was Ho Tsien Ku, and she devoted her life to celibacy and became an immortal after grinding up a mother of pearl to dust and then swallowing it. And she represents young unmarried girls. Interesting. So why do you think, like these eight categories here, um, let me see what they were again. So the sick, uh, the uh, military, the scholars, the old, the the nobility, Mm -hmm. the learned society, the poor, and then young unmarried girls. Why? What do you think? I don't know. I was going to, I was actually genuinely asking for your opinion there. Uh, they are all categories of people who need assistance. Yeah. They, uh, you know, the, the, except for possibly, it's unusual about the nobility, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, the old, mm-hmm. the sick, unmarried girls, you know, in that society, really any, any of the old society would be at risk, you know. Yeah. Um, the sick, of course. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's my theory is that those are the ones... Uh, it's kind of like patron saints. Yeah, you know, I was kind of pa- think the same thing. Patron saint of you know the sick, a patron saint of you know lost causes. Yeah, whatever the case may be. Hmm. It's just interesting because you'd think that it would be more all-encompassing. I guess, like I don't know, is it all-encompassing? Is there somebody who would be like left out that doesn't have one of the the eight immortals to represent them, like yeah. any particular type of person? Yeah, like a regular strong dude. I guess so. Because he didn't need it. Because he's a regular strong dude. <laughs> I, right? I suppose you're right. Yeah. Are there any? I guess they're 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 probably patron saints. I, I just view them as very similar to, to mm-hmm. a more select number of patron saints. Yeah. Type type thing where they you know you can kind of mm-hmm. you're kind of supposed to, to them mm-hmm. and, and seek their guidance. Or you're supposed to kind of mirror their life in a way. You know, right. do what they kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The most interesting one to me was. Um, Chen Kuo Lao, um, because he seemed, I don't know, I'm sure there's a story with him, but he seemed very random. He was the one with the white donkey that folded up like paper, mm. and he just grants fertility to old couples. Right. I'm not sure how those things are connected. But I don't know. There's probably a good story behind it. Probably. But if I, I'm thinking that it, it would probably be a fantasy for somebody in that age to have to have the assistance of a donkey without having to care for the beast. Mm. So you just fold it up. All you have to do is sprinkle it with water. And yeah. It's back and you ride it again. And then when you get to where you're going, you don't have to feed it or stable it or clean up after it. You just fold it up and put it in your pocket. <laughs> uh, it seems pretty ideal that to me. It does seem ideal it's to like me, yeah. For us, it would be like a flying car that would fold and put in your pocket. Yeah. You know, that would huh. be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Be very cool. That was what I was thinking. Kind of huh. like the Jetsons. Yes, the Jetsons. The Eight Immortals are very similar to the Jetsons. Well, that particular one was a fantasy about easy travel. Yes. And uh, easier life. And hmm. I don't know what the connection would be to, you know, fertility to old couples. Although, yeah. you know, it's a desire from old couples who are not fertile. <laughs> yes. Spot on. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'm helping out. Yes, you are. That was the last story in that section. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because so that yeah. we have a whole other section. We have another, yeah, we have another episode to record after this. Very exciting. We're live and in person. We, yep, we, we're not live. This is being recorded. Well, we're live. 
Yes, they're not we live. are physically yes. with each other. Yes, they are not live. They're not live now. No, I mean they're they're well. They have to be alive now in order to be alive when they're listening to it. Yes, they can't be dead now and then listen live later, unless. Well, you don't listen to a recording conceived. live. You're live when you're listening to it. Well, you're alive, but you're. It's not a live recording. It's a it's a live playing of the recording. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Really? That's, yes. I, mean, I, I wasn't trying to be funny. Yes. It's, it's a live performance of a recording. That, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean it doesn't make any sense? Because... If I go to... If I have an audience... Yeah. And I have a little uh, cassette player on the stage, and I walk over to it and I press play, uh-huh. and it plays some music or some words, that's a live performance of that recording. No, because it's already been recorded. It, it, it's not going to change. If it's live, that means it's like being streamed right now. Well, that would be a live performance in the in the auditorium with a live audience. It'd I, be more live than a stream. I guess technically. But that'd be saying like handing somebody a glass of water saying this is melted frozen ice. It is. Like, well, technically, yeah, but you, it doesn't make sense to say that. You say this is a glass of water. Well, yeah, it's easy to say it's a glass of water, but it's also condensed, you know, water vapor. Well, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Does it make what I said not true? Well, it makes what you said is ridiculous. I I don't know why you're arguing with me about this. (laughs) Because (laughs) because that's like the opposite of live. Recorded is the opposite of live. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. The performance itself the play the the we're doing this live now mm-hmm. and recording it so that it could be played later for a live listener to listen to okay but would you say that if you go to the movie theater that is a live showing of the movie yes absolutely why because i'm alive and it's showing to me it's, it's, <laughs> that's, it's that's... happening in real time at that point Yes, but the the movie's already been made. It's been no. If somebody makes a recording of me watching the movie, mm-hmm. then that is not a, a a live performance of the movie. When you play that movie of me watching the movie, and you're watching that, then it's a live perf- uh, showing of the recording of me watching the movie. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It makes one hundred percent. That doesn't make it. Sense. It doesn't. I know you don't like it, but it, it makes 100% logical sense. No, because it's not live. What's not live? The performance, if, if you're... the watching of the movie is live. That is the act. <laughs> sure. A movie is, is never live. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In, in your sense, but watching the movie is, is a, a live performance of that movie. That is absurd. Because if it's just not, if it's just in the can, so to speak, if it's just on a disc or, you know stored somewhere it's Mm -hmm. not live but once you play it and someone receives it that's a live performance of that movie what what, what's what's a drive-in movie that's an that's a live experience if you if you go go to a drive-in theater you've experienced a live drive-in theater performance (gasps) but the entertainment itself like the movie itself is not live it's not alive that's that's not what I said. <laughs> well, that's why I'm clarifying. It's not live. The movie is not live. Well, what do you mean by live? Because it's already been pre-recorded. If it's Correct. live, it means it's being like streamed directly. 
What do you mean stream directly? It's a movie can't be streamed directly. I know that's what I'm saying because if you because my analogy about the movie goes back to the podcast because a podcast is not live unless it is actually streamed. This has already been recorded. This podcast can never be live. It can be. Well, it can be, but it won't be. Why not? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This is awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't go down this path. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> You're the one questioning the wisdom of uh, what I'm saying. That was frustrating. I'm sorry. All right. Well, this has been episode 11 of season two of Unlimited Opinions. I've been Adam Bishop. I am still Mark Bishop. And you can still follow us on Twitter. Capital U, lowercase LMTD. Way, we did not complete. We did not complete the, the shirt. design of the shirt. Unfortunately, we probably will have by the time this comes out. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah we will. That'll be in like two weeks. We'll get it done. Or one weekish. Yeah, because week you got to send tomorrow. me a draft of what you were doing. Yes. We were we were on the cusp of it. We were. So that will be sent out to our our winner soon, sometime soon. Did he message you his mailing address? Yes, he did. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we got it on that then. Yeah. Well, I thought we had an excuse. No, we have no excuse. We should order several of them. Yes, in we should. sizes. Should we even bother getting any for your brothers? No, they won't. They won't wear them ever. I think they should, though. They really do. They should be proud of it. Well, right now the running design is "Your opinion is wrong." Mark Bishop on the back <laughs> of it. So, well, it's true uh, in in many cases, mm-hmm. but not when you agree with me. <laughs> of course that's yeah. of course all right what was the i and, I, and i've looked up mm-hmm. on twitter the name of this your your twitter handle yeah. for this podcast it doesn't make sense it doesn't really spell out unlimited opinions yeah, it does it really doesn't it does all right what is it again capital u Lord. why do you say capitals it doesn't matter what the capital okay are. u-l-m-t-d and then opinions yeah it should be like u-n LTD or it should be UN LTD um, because LTD is limited yeah 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 but maybe that was taken I think it was but I like that it's absurd yes it is ridiculous yes, it's, it's, it's absolutely a, yes. ridiculous okay good alright well, we're in agreement yes alright well that was that episode <laughs>